Magandang araw, podmates. Uh, Howie Severino here with a special guest. A diplomat from the Ukraine, Mr. Denis Mikhailuk, who is the Charge d'Affaires for the Ukrainian Embassy in Malaysia. A Charge d'Affaires is the head of the mission or the embassy while the ambassador is away or not yet appointed. Mr. Mikhailuk, good afternoon, good day. Our hearts go out to the people of your country which has been uh, defending itself from the Russian army now for almost 600 days. The war began in February uh, 2022. Uh, first, sir, I would like to ask how you are and how is your family and uh, whether you have any uh, family members or relatives uh, currently in the Ukraine. Thank you, Mr. Severina, for having us. Thank you for the words of sympathy. Uh, yes, my immediate family is with me in Malaysia, my wife and kids, but my parents, brother and so on, other relatives are in Ukraine. Uh, they are relatively safe, how it's possible in these conditions, thanks God. Uh, the war with Russia started actually in 2014 with the annexation of Crimea, but the full-scale invasion started on 24th of February last year, you're right. It's almost a year and a half now, and we are defending from what was called before the second best time in the world. Now we know it's second best in Ukraine, but anyways, it's the biggest one. Give us an idea of uh, how this war uh, is currently affecting ordinary people in Ukraine and ordinary life there. For Ukraine, it's changed already everything and we will never be the same, you know, joyful and careless, maybe over-friendly country to everybody like we were two years ago. Not even, not, not even the war in 2014 didn't change us that much. Uh, but now out of 45 millions, up to 8.5 millions are displaced. Uh, tens of thousands killed. We don't uh, reveal our military losses. They are significantly less than, uh, than Russians, but they are still tens of thousands. And the war is on our territory, so we are paying the toll with our civilians as well. There are cities completely destroyed to the ruble, like the city of Mariupol, the biggest port on Azov Sea, with a population of 400,000 people. Russia destroyed the city completely using conventional weapons, five times more than nuclear bomb in Hiroshima. We will become militarized society, definitely, because we will have to teach our kids not how to, to play, but how to assemble the machine gun, how to give the first aid to the wounded, what to do during the aerial attack. We already do that. In every family, there is somebody who's killed, friends lost, People lost their house. They will never forget. Sir, uh, there are experts who are saying this war can last a long time. But from your point of view, what would be the best case scenario for Ukraine here? Best case scenario is to get all the supports from the uh, from other allies right now, immediately, not drop by drop, and to destroy Russian uh, troops on our territory. We are not an invaders. We don't want to go there further and to obtain the security guarantees either from NATO or direct ones uh, like uh, Sweden or Finland get before joining NATO or like the Philippines have from the United States or the uh, South Korean Republic uh, has as well. So we need some nuclear umbrella and this will make the war stop. Because else, even if we are very successful in uh, removing Russia from our territory, it will mean only that the front line is moving towards Russia. Uh, because Russia can sustain 
low intensity conflict, not like it is now, because now it's very intense. It's like the Second World War. Uh, but if they switch to low intensity conflict, they can sustain it for for decades. This will, it will, yes, it will be, be it will be good for us as well because we will be able to restore our destroyed uh, capabilities. But we will be turned in this scenario. We will be turned into the fortress, which is, you know, not the not the choice uh, we like. We would like to get some security guarantees from the international community to stop this war at least for 50 years or so. Your president, President Zelensky, has uh, often said that this is more than just about Russia and Ukraine. No, uh, Can you elaborate? Why, why does the rest of the world uh, need to care about this war? Actually, he is 100% right. Because... If it were if it were about Russia and Ukraine, we will be forgotten and we will be fighting all alone. Because the main idea here, Russia is executed, is to destroy the system of international law, is to destroy the principle that every state has right for existence and for development, is to reinstall the system of 16th century. Then the powerful state can dictate to the smaller state its will and grab its resources, control its trade using uh, using military force. And Russia is, uh, if Russia succeeds, if it will not be punished, this will be the example for every bigger states in the world to dictate their neighbors, not necessarily to attack them, but to threaten them with the uh, usage of the of the weapons, uh, to threaten them uh, like with the naval blockades like Russia is doing in the Black Sea. And this is about that. And uh, that's why we are supported with so many countries. The second thing, uh, which is more Ukrainian and less international, it's we are not fighting for any territories. It's not the uh, idea of the square kilometers. It's idea of the right of existence in our borders as a sovereign state, right of doing what we want, right, right to be sovereign on our territory. And so uh, that Territorial, uh, territorial demands from Ukraine to restore our borders, it's more about international law, it's about the legality. So the law should be reinstalled. And you're based in Malaysia. You represent uh, your country uh, in Malaysia and um, I suppose uh, the Philippines as well. And, and you speak for your country in, in our region. What kind of support do you seek from this part of the world, Southeast Asia? We're quite far from the conflict, but as you say, uh, the rest of the world is affected. Um, how, wh why should we care as Southeast Asians uh, in this war? You should care very much. <laughs> First of all, you know, if they are going uh, geopolitical, uh, there are some global fractions uh, between the uh, countries with different attitudes towards uh, the way of life. One of them is Central Europe, and we are the country facing now the military threat and military attack from the dictatorship, from authoritarian state, trying to destroy the uh, democratic change of change of power and annoy it very much because they are very close culturally, but we are living free. We travel free while the uh, Russians had to surrender their uh, political freedoms uh, in exchange for some uh, grandeur and for some uh, material benefits. So this is about the vision of the world as well. And you have the same situation here. There are several dominant countries uh, in the in the region. Uh, some of them are, have claims to all the neighbors, 
some of them just expand slowly and uh, have territorial uh, uh, territorial requests to, to their neighbors. And so the only thing which protects Southeast Asia from going into the eternal war for centuries is the system of international law. It's the system of arbitrage, is the system of negotiation, stocks, and prohibition of using force. So if we fail, we will turn in this situation next, maybe in the Do you see parallels between Russia and China? I mean, you're referring to uh, similar situations here, and I suppose that's what you're referring to. Uh, China is, is, the ma- is the main power. I think China is watching this conflict very close, and it's, uh, and it's uh, looking for patterns of effective uh, behavior. And uh, I think that a year and a half of severe war, severe resistance of Ukraine already gave China significant lessons learned what they should not do. Because it's not effective, it affects everybody. And if you make parallels between China and Russia, I would say that Russia is less uh, dependent on international trade than China. So if sanctions of this scale will be imposed on uh, China, it will be a catastrophe for them. So they are way smarter than Russians. They never attack uh, like this. And I hope that we paid significant contributes already to the peace and prosperity of Southeast Asia. Uh, the second point why it's important for Southeast Asia is the food security. Uh, Russia is producer of 15% of world grain and we are producer of 10% of world grain. So 25, why one quarter of all the grain supply to the world is now severely affected. And you feel it here. The, the chicken price, the, the corn price, the, the bread price, and it will, these discrepancies of the world trade will only grow. And we see how China reacts. Actually, China participated in GIDA meeting in Saudi Arabia, and we're talking about how to stop this war. It was not negotiations, it was the forum to, um, to, sh- to shape the future world order, I would say so. And China is voting for rules here. Well, uh, as you know, sir, uh, since you're based in this region, uh, Taiwan is, uh, has been preparing for a potential uh, invasion uh, by China. Uh, of course, Taiwan is, is a smaller country than China in the same way that Ukraine, although it's big, it's still a smaller country than, than Russia. So you say that uh, China has been observing the war uh, in the Ukraine and should be learning some lessons. So can you be specific? What are some of the lessons that um, China can learn from uh, that conflict and what Russia has done to the Ukraine? First of all, they can see that if the people does not want to surrender, it doesn't matter how big you are, how superior your forces are. If the people wants to uh, to resist, to fight back, it might be painful. Uh, Russia lost three uh, hundred fifty thousand as of now, killed only. So it's significant for every country, even as big as Russia. Uh, China will see that international community might be slow and express concerns for a couple of months, but if the war lasted longer, there will be significant sanctions and the restrictions on trade, and uh, it will be uh, destructive for the for the prosperity and future. Uh, China would also see that Russia trade off its future uh, for the square kilometers of occupied land because uh, they are prohibited from using. 
of sophisticated technologies and long uh, supply chains from all over the world. They have to rely on themselves, the, but it's all this uh, limit yourself and your speed of um, speed of development will drop. Uh, you'll see this uh, Russian uh, lunar program. Uh, they just launched the spaceship, the exact copy of what Soviet Union done uh, 30 years ago, and it failed. So they're degrading. And I think China will, will think about it as well. But I'm not talking not only on China. There are lots of big countries around here. Yes, the conflict between China and Taiwan is the most obvious one, but there are also India and Pakistan uh, here. There is huge Indonesia with the demographic pressure. It's lots of different, lots of problems here. And the only way to solve them, to get prosperity for everyone, is to do it peacefully. Most people are not aware that the, the that the uh, there was another war that began in 2014. Most most of us are are just aware of the more recent invasion in uh, 2022. Please give us more background into what happened in 2014 and why you consider the war with Russia to have begun in 2014 and not in 2022. Actually, they stole stole everything, even the name, because before 1651, uh, there was. Uh, oh, before 1721, there was a Moscow kingdom, and the uh, territories near the Dnieper River, with the capital in Kiev, uh, which is 1500 years old, much older than Moscow, for example, uh, were called Rus, and Ukraine uh, was the other name for, for it. Uh, and then we had the loose autonomy after the war with Poland in 15. Uh, 61. After that, uh, this loose autonomy was torn by the Peter the Great under the occupation, destruction of our statehood, and the, we were in the same empire for 300 years. So Russia grows stronger, accumulated significant resources, and in 2014, they annexed Crimea, uh, while we had a change of power and the president ran away, so it was the biggest point in our statehood. And they just annexed Crimea and to distract the international uh, authority, uh, authorities and international attention, they also launched their uh, hybrid war, hybrid uh, invention uh, to our eastern borders, supporting the weapons, armaments, uh, troops, uh, their proxies. Uh, they called them independent states, but they were literally Russia-backed separatists uh, in the fractions of two eastern regions of it. And this law intensity warfare lasted since 2014, and Mr. Putin uh, grew older. He wants to be entered into the history of forever, and that's why on February 2022, uh, Russia launched full-scale invasion to destroy our state. But the, the resistance of Ukrainian people uh, was strong. We, we were fighting all alone, with no support, with condolences only, uh, for more than a month. Uh, we repelled Russians out of our capital. We, uh, our president stayed in the city. Uh, he embodied the uh, wheel for resilience from the whole from the whole people. Our army showed to be effective, modernized, and very much motivated. Uh, we had used to the conscription ports during the first uh, first stage of invasion, and then they were near the capital with their tanks and their machineries. Uh, the people on the streets were given uh, firearms uh, just if they will to protect. And, you know, it was a silly idea to invade the country of 40 million or something like that with the invading army of 200,000. Now, 
Unfortunately, our own resources is exhausted and we rely very much on the international help. We are thankful for the uh, countries on the world for supporting us greatly in the international forum. Uh, for the uh, United Nations General Assembly resolution on the uh, peace plan of President Zelensky, more than 140 countries voted, and we are thankful for the Republic of the Philippines for supporting us here too. And there is also the Ramstein format. Uh, this is 50 plus countries supporting us not only with the moral support, but also the weapons, finance, and uh, other sources. But unfortunately, and there is a fraction of our, of our guilt here too, because we were a very peaceful nation. Uh, it's enough uh, heavy weapons to uh, distract the Russian army out of the country. Uh, so our offensive operation now is quite slow because Ukraine, after nine months of fortification efforts by Russians, is the mostly mined country in the world. Uh, they dig huge trenches, uh, several lines of uh, fortifications with the concrete uh, ground. So, so our ground troops are moving slowly. But what we are doing now, we are trying to destroy their depots, their supply lines, supply chains, and with the main idea to cut off uh, their uh, troops on the south of our country from the direct supply from Russia. Yeah, you're supposed to be in the midst of a counteroffensive. No, we've been reading about this. So, how is this going? Uh, are, is uh, Ukraine making uh, progress in removing uh, the Russian army from these entrenched positions? Uh, during the first stage of war, Russia captured 25% of our debt. We are a huge country, we are 600,000 square kilometers. Uh, now uh, they are controlling 50. So we uh, did significant progress, but unfortunately, uh, they, due to the lack of the heavy, heavy armaments and ammunition uh, in the beginning of the war until the summer this year, for every shell shot by Ukrainian army, Russia shot 10. Now this uh, ratio is changed slowly, but you know, Russia is still the biggest country in the world. So we rely on our own production, we restore it, and we rely on the production of our of allies. So we are not moving very fast in terms of territory, but what we are concentrating now is the destruction of their artillery capabilities. Our artillery systems, uh, donated by the partners from the West, are outrange Russians at least for five kilometers, sometimes for 10 kilometers. And in com uh, combining with our uh, sophisticated reconnaissance uh, technologies. Uh, we turned this war into the war of drones and uh, remote technologies because we saved the lives of our soldiers and we value them. Uh, we destroy one cannon for one lost, five cannon for one, for one lost. So we are quite good here and so I think we have two, three months to, uh, to prolong this campaign. After that, there will be a rainy season in Ukraine and we have very, uh, very thick and fertile soils difficult to uh, uh, to move through during the wet season and so uh, before winter there will be some pause into the uh, offensive operation uh, but the uh, destruction of the russian technical capabilities and the depots will be continued by the drone technologies and the uh, and hopefully with aviation which we were promised to uh, to obtain uh, by the end of this year. 
I just want to share with you uh, that um, soon after the Russian invasion in February 2022, uh, I contacted a Filipina uh, traveler in Ukraine. Uh, I believe, she, yeah, she was in Kiev at the time. I interviewed her on, on the same uh, program. And I asked her what you know brought her to Ukraine. And she had actually been living there for several months before the war started. And um, she told us that um, uh, she found it easier to travel in the Ukraine uh, during the pandemic when so many countries were closing their doors to other travelers. She said uh, Ukraine uh, welcomed her. And in fact, she was even able to get a, uh, some, a job as a teacher of uh, young children. And she was telling us that um, the Ukrainian people are very hospitable and friendly to her. And she did not feel any uh, discrimination. Um, and uh, in fact, she told us she fell in love there <laughs> with a Ukrainian uh, man. Uh, and that's why she was there. But um, just as importantly, uh, she told us that uh, she decided to stay in Kiev, even if she was a foreigner, because she wanted to help in the defense of, uh, of, of your country. Of course, she's not in the front lines. She's not fighting, but she was helping in the providing relief and preparing uh, supplies and um, helping uh, keep the people's uh, spirit up. But she was telling us that she was determined uh, to stay there. And, um, and it felt, um, and she was heartbroken because she, she, she felt that the country was kind to her and was very hospitable. And she felt that uh, there was so much that was being lost. Uh, and um, so it's, it's a credit to your, to your country and your people and your culture that, uh, that we um, heard this kind of um, experience from one of my, from one of our countrymen, or one of the women from my country, uh, who decided to stay in Ukraine to help uh, to help defend uh, your country. We're very thankful, and actually, we feel very much support from the Filipinos. I would say that in this in this area, Filipinos are Ukrainian the most. It's, I'm talking I'm talking about the about the rank and file people. Most of sympathy is coming here. Uh, the second country who is very sympathetic for us is uh, Timor Leste, because they just passed from from the similar experience uh, twenty years ago, and uh, Ukrainian peacekeepers were helping to restore uh, restore order in Timor Leste there, and so uh, they enjoy some friendly relations. And yes, our society is very open, and uh, I think that to survive after this war, because for me, it's my personal opinion. Uh, the main danger is not even the uh, military threat from Russian Federation, but uh, the depopulation, demography. Because people are leaving the country, and the longer the war will be, the less chances we will return. We were around 40 million people before the war. We will be lucky if there will be 20 after the war. And we will have to provide incentives for Ukrainians to come back and for other uh, skilled labor and people from all over the world. We have to turn ourselves into a new frontier because Ukraine will be the biggest construction site for another 50, 60 years to come. On the eastern part of the country, there the majority of our industry was located. The whole cities are destroyed. Uh, the territory is heavily mined and it's barely livable. People have lost literally everything. There are towns, there Tens of thousands of people lived with no single building intact. 
First, we want to thank you, Mr. Denis Mikhailuk, the head of the uh, embassy in Ukraine uh, in Malaysia. Uh, again, our sympathies to you and your country, and may the war come to an end soon without many more deaths. Thank you for your time and for sharing your thoughts, and we wish you safety always. Thank you, Mr. Severina, for having me, and thank you for the possibility to talk to the Filipino audience. And I thank you once more for the support and the moral help you are giving to us and we hope that there will be ways for mutually beneficial cooperation and we would be happy to sell some grain here which will support our economy and will secure your food security have a great day thank you thanks for listening podmates download this episode so you can listen to it anytime anywhere stay safe podmates <laughs>